And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. It's been a while, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but I've missed you guys. And this is Jonathan Dunn, and this is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. I want to talk to you today, and I apologize if. Uh, I'm going to get a bit emotional today because today's a bit of an interesting show because I've been missing for four months. I haven't posted a whole lot on social media. I've been very quiet and I've always been honest and upfront with you guys about everything that's going on in my life. And today I want to tell you a story and I want to tell you a story about where I've been and where I'm going. But also I'm going to make a plea in this show. And the plea is not about me. The plea is about everyone else because we have a mental health crisis going on. Every story, a good story anyway, should have a start, a middle, and an end. I can't tell you how this story ends, but I can tell you the start and I can tell you the middle. I've been doing this show. I've been honored with this opportunity for the last eight years to do a show on The Blaze, talking about American exceptionalism, to talk about the idea of America. My determination to continue this show has never been stronger. I think it's absolutely critical to lead with that point. Even when I go quiet, my resolution, my determination, my focus is always to get back in the race. Why is that? Because look around at the world, America. Is there anything going good? Do you make sense of anything? The bad guys are good guys and the good guys are bad guys. Who do you root for? Look at Ukraine. All this propaganda, we all of a sudden supposed to believe Ukraine is not a corrupt nation, which it's been for the longest time. Who would you root for with Zelensky and Putin? I know one of them is a lot worse. I don't need to talk about Russian history. I've done that at length on this show. I've been very consistent. Russia is not a good actor. They are the evil empire. Look at what's going on at home. Gas prices. We're getting excited about $3 a gallon. This is not an America I am used to. We see inflation. I'm now living here. You go to Walmart and you spend 150 bucks and your cart is basically quarter full. What is needed to solve these problems? Call me old fashioned. Call me a, a pointless storyteller. Call me an old romantic whatever you want to call me. I believe America needs to become a shining city on a hill once again. We need that story to be told. We need that example for the world to see that there is something more than government. There is something more than tyrannical dictators. There is something more than empty threats of nuclear weapons. And the answer is freedom. 
is leave people alone, don't take their stuff, and let innovation and creativity always take over and be the solving problems. You have listened to me over the last year, two years, eight years maybe. On a personal level, you've seen and heard about my mental health struggles. My mental health has been poor over the last couple of years. It's been a roller coaster of emotions. Trying to get here, getting the job offer with Glenn Beck, finding out I didn't meet the visa requirements, having that happened afterwards, to meeting and marrying Tanya, to moving here. It's been a roller coaster. It's easy to look at my life, and one of the reasons I went quiet is because with everything going on that I've just briefly touched upon, the last thing anyone needed was me doing a poor me sob story. It was easy to look in at my life and kind of go, John, why are you unhappy right now? Why are you unhappy? You've moved to America after 18 years. You finally achieved the dream, and you've got a beautiful bride in tow. Well, the simple reason is is sometimes mental health is not like a button. You can't just press a button and then all of a sudden, boom, you're happy or boom, you're sad. It's an underlying condition. And we're going to talk about that later in the show, maybe. But one of my big stresses has been the stress that you guys have had. I started this process last November, last Thanksgiving, and to date, I still haven't got a social security number. That means I can't work. Now, I've been told by people, oh, why don't you just work illegally, you know, get some money, put food on the table, because I respect your country too much. Your country is too special to me to violate its rules, even if they're stupid. I respect this, because immigrants like me waited in line for 18 years. Can I not wait a couple of more months? The answer for me is yes, I can. Because for me, the idea of America, the story of America, America changed the world in reality. It has my respect. It, there is no price that I will not pay for this country. But I don't want to talk to you about the past, and I don't want to talk to you even about the present. I want to talk to you about the future. Because I'm back. This is not a, a farewell show. This is not a one-off special. This is the start of a new journey for this show. And a journey I am very excited to talk to you about. There are going to be some changes. I'm going to ask you to Bear with me, because some of them are going to be, they're going to be a few teething problems, I'm sure. I'm not God. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to make these changes, and all of a sudden, everyone's going to be 100% happy. There are things we can do better, and there are things we'll approve upon. But you might have noticed the word I included in there has changed. I didn't say I will improve upon. I said we will improve upon. If we're going to solve America's problems, it's not going to be me. And it's not going to be any one of you. It's going to be we. We're going to solve this problem. We're going to be the storytellers. We're going to be the men and women of principle. We're going to be the people that stand up and rise up and say, not any more in our name. The words never again are thrown around far too often, but it's time they bring back some meaning to them. But also on this show level, we is the new tagline. Because I am no longer alone. Over to the rest of this show and the many shows coming up, you're going to hear a second voice in this show. And I have brought on a lady who I am very excited to start working about. She's from Utah. She's a Mormon. 
I have to bring on a Mormon because the blaze, right? It wouldn't be fitting without a Mormon added to this show. But you know what I will say for all the people who go, oh, they're not real Christians and they're Satan spawn and stuff. If we had more Mormons in our world, the world would be a better place. And I don't care if you hate me for that or love me for that. That's just a fact. They are good, honest people. We're going to have a lot of work ahead of us. We're going to be doing some stuff, some specials. But one thing that's going to be added to this show, and one of the main reasons I brought a co-host on is because we need to have more fun. And it's very hard to do a fun show behind a microphone two days in advance when no one is there. I don't know if you've ever cracked a joke and then have people tell you, I love that line two days later, and you're like, what line did I make? What did I say? What did I say was so funny? Because you've forgotten about it. So we're going to have a lot more fun. We're going to talk about the changes that we need to make. Tina is going to be my co-host. She is a mother. She has got kids. She's a wife. She's American. She loves this country. She gets the story. And she's going to have that unique perspective. You're going to have me as the storyteller, as the, the immigrant who sees America from afar, but has now achieved his dream. But you're going to have a, a natural-born citizen, a mom, who loves this country, who wants to save this country, who wants to pass on a country to her kids and to one day, please God, her grandkids. That means something. We're going to take our work to the next level. And I'm going to ask you to join us. I'm going to ask you for your support over the coming weeks and months and please God years. Because here's what I do know. We do not solve the world's problems without the idea of America. It may be battered. It may be beaten. Heck, it might even be on fire partly right now. But the idea of America still means something, America. It means something as long as it's in your hearts. That powerful story, boom, 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 boom. If it's in your heart, it means something. If we breathe new life into it, if we're like that phoenix rising from the ashes, that story will mean something once again. Let us join together. Let us unite together. Democrats, liberals, independents, Republicans, not as politics, not as a party, but as American citizens to tell the story that means something. We are not an evil and vile racist nation. We have made mistakes. Who hasn't? Name the nation. Name the person who has lived that has lived that flawless life. But if we work together and overcome our fears, overcome our anxiety, and overcome our beaten down attitude where we feel like it's over. Like we feel like we cannot rise up. That we feel like our voices don't count. I am here to tell you that is a lie. Yes, they do. It's just it's time to start using them in the right way. And over the coming weeks and months, we're going to work with you. We're going to partner with you to make America exceptional again. That being said, it's my honor, it's my privilege, it's my honor to welcome Tina. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for coming aboard this crazy, wacky ride that is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. Jonathan, you got me a little emotional. You weren't supposed to do that on the very first episode we do together. I actually felt the tears springing to my eyes. I don't know whether that's real or sarcasm. No, it was real. <laughs> It was great. What a fantastic opening 
to this Thank new you. journey we're going to take together with everyone. Absolutely. So what does America mean to you? Because I know today we're going to talk a lot about mental health, but I, I just want to put you on the spot and, and just kind of give you know the, the audience a kind of taste of what they're going to hear from you over the coming weeks and months. What does America mean to you? That is a great question because as Jonathan knows, I have my own podcast, We the People, Our American Story. Jonathan and I met through this podcast. And my last question, I always ask my guests, I ask Jonathan, what does America mean to you? America to me means everything. It is that city upon a hill. It is the bastion of freedom. I love America with every fiber of my being. You can fight me till you're blue in the face if you disagree, but I believe America is the greatest country the world has ever known. Even with the mess that we are in right now, it's the people, we the people. This is the greatest country on earth. I have hope for the future. I have hope for a bright future. It's a great country. I love it. Amen. So today's show, we're going to talk about mental health. So I'm going to, because there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of perceptions that are not really reality. I'll share one with you. So I got diagnosed in the last couple of months with been bipolar. I'm getting treatment for it. I'm on medication and I'm seeing a counselor and I'm a lot more steady and doing, making a lot of progress. But one of the things just talking about perceptions are, are crazy. So obviously you start telling family and things about this. And um, it's no secret that my wife um, has children from her prior marriage. And one of her children, when she found out, was shocked. And the reason she was shocked was she was like, hmm, I thought kind of bipolar people were angry. I'm not angry. I don't get angry. One of the funny things, and you can mock at this at length, is when I get manic, which is what they call a high stage, I go crazy cleaning, like to the point where I go on a like I go on epic cleans. Well, just so you know, this is what the conversation I had with my wife. I was like, but this is what everyone does. You just do a deep clean of the house, you know, because we live down the country. There's dust and stuff. And she's like, oh, people do deep cleans, but people don't get like uh, disinfectant and disinfectant the walls. That's like an epic level of thing. And that's what I do. So that's the type of stuff that you deal with. So for the rest of the show, I want to talk to you about mental health, but I'm going to hand it over to Tina. She's got a, she's got a list of questions. I hope none of them are too hard and hopefully I'll answer them and, you know, just give you a, in a breakdown or behind the scenes look of what people deal with, with depression, mental health, um, bipolar. Well, first of all, Jonathan, I need you over at my house when you're having one of those manic periods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I fully realized it. Because here's the funny thing. I, do you know what started that manic episode? What? So one of the things down here is because it gets really hot in Oklahoma, we have these fans. And I saw one of the fans in my room and it was absolutely filled with dust because it's really, I live in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's impossible to keep the house spotless clean. Like if you knock on the door in our house and you just walk in, the chances are you're going to see some dust because it's the country. And I saw this and I went, I was horrified. And I was like, we're just cleaning everything. Not just clean the fan, clean everything. So that's one of my things with my bipolar. So there's a lot of misperceptions and there's a lot of fun. You know, like, you know, the guy who does a spring clean, that's normally, you know, there's a lot of wise cracks there if you wanted to take low, low hanging fruit, if you wanted to mock it. 
I have a few fans here you could clean. <laughs> they have a little bit of dust. Let's get yeah. started. I awesome. tried not to make them too scary for you. You're fine. How about this as a first question? When did you realize that something was wrong? Just um, maybe around the start of summer, maybe uh, March, April. Um, like I had planned to work, be working from the end of June in my head. And then there was just delay after delay after delay. And one of the reasons that calls me, and I'm not blaming anything that, you know, I'm going to take full responsibility for falling into a massive depression, the worst I've ever fallen into. But one of the things is I love where I live, but I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like if you come out on my property there, you don't see anyone. There's like, there's, I'm 360 degrees surrounded by trees and my wife leaves at like seven in the morning to go to her job and then wouldn't come home sometimes to like seven at night. So for 12 hours a day, it's just me, the animals and the dog. And it gets very, very isolated. And you do that five days a week, you fall into a rut. So I felt things were starting to get bad around March, April. Um, the last couple of shows, I even apologized on the show here. I felt myself getting angry. Um, and not responding to things because I was lonely and I was upset and I was starting to get into a massive depression. So how bad did it get? Very bad. Care to very, elaborate? Very. As much as you feel comfortable elaborating. It got as bad as it did several years ago. Um, there's, there's a lot of personal problems in my life as well. Um, that I don't particularly want to go into, but uh, it just it got bad. Um, and I, I, but the good thing about it is, is you know, if you if you talk to anybody who deals with depression, anyone who deals with alcohol, anyone who deals with any type of abuse or substance abuse, you don't ever make that change when things are okay. Like they can get bad, but like you always kind of think, oh well, it's been bad. It'll get good, and that's because I've dealt with depression my whole life. So you kind of you always kind of think, well, it's bad now, but it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. It, very rarely you'll see someone change. You, you kind of have to hit rock bottom. And th the beauty of my wife is many things, but one of them is she's a nurse. And she was like, you need help. You badly, badly, badly need help. And uh, it got really bad after my mother left in March. That was actually the time. I think she left the start of late March, early April. You know, obviously having my mother here for two weeks was great. And then, then she left and then back to alone all day, every day. It was hard. And then uh, I started getting help and I went to see uh, see my doctor, went to see, started seeing a counselor, got some medication and started the journey of recovery. We've talked a little bit about the upside. What is that downside? What's the opposite of cleaning everything when you're in the depths of despair? Um, for me personally, it's, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, the depression comes in many different forms for different people. Um, for me, one of the biggest things I have, and it's because of my upbringing and my life, um, I feel like the world would be better off without me. And you just literally have that feeling every day. And, you know, one of the things, and sadly, what I'm about to say is deemed controversial in the world today, but there's a lot of scientific fact that backs this up, going back to the, to the Stone Age. Men need to work. And there's a lot of um, self-fulfillment or self you know, gratification in working and being productive and a productive member of society. And also you got that routine. You know, it got so bad that like I couldn't tell you what day it was. 
Um, the only day I could ever tell you was I knew when it was Thursday because it was trash day. But like you, you just wake up and Monday's the same as Tuesday, the same as Wednesday, it's the same as Friday, it's the same as Saturday, it's the same as Sunday. Sunday was church day, so you remember that day. But like you couldn't tell. You just, every day blends into each other. You find yourself just, when I'm down, I find myself very slow and sluggish. So one of the things that always would annoy me um, bit by being bipolar was when I'm high, I can think of two, three, four things at one time in my head and run through them. When you're low, you cannot think of one thing uh, by itself. And you get very frustrated at yourself. And that causes a lot of anger because you're like, hey, like two weeks ago, I was like, my brain was this well-oiled machine. And I was thinking of a speech and I was thinking about my show and I was doing this research and I was going processing all this information. And now it's like I'm reading an article and I have to reread it again because it's just you get frustrated whereas now i kind of know and i'm on this course to leveling out so it won't get so bad but i won't have the highs either did your wife understand right away how serious it was yes i didn't she had to convince me and did it take a while for you to agree to see someone professional and if so why no i i agreed to see someone pretty quickly she she kind of she sat me down and in on the way only a wife can do and sit you down and kind of go, okay, you've tried. It's not working. We need to do something else. And she laid out the case and she's a nurse. So she's kind of seen this before and, and there's mental health issues in her family as well. So she kind of knew all the signs and everything. And she sat me down and I agreed to go. Did you feel any shame at all going? Because I know, especially with men, that that is admitting to weakness. I can't handle this on my own. Was there any of that there for you? I wouldn't use the word shame. There was a lot of skepticism. Like, like you know, when you're going to a counselor and it's in there a lot, and like, I'm not going to lie, the first one was very, I, I was nervous as anything going into the first one because, you know, as a guy, and you know, it's, it's similar to what you said, like shame, but it's like, Oh, great. Now I got to talk to a complete guy, stranger who's a guy about my feelings and my emotions and, and how I'm doing. And, you know, you, there is this kind of bravado, which I think we need to talk about and address that guys kind of do where everything's fine. I'm, I'm that way as well. Like, you know, like, I, like I'm, I had a little procedure on my stomach and then, you know, truth be told, you know, if you gave me truth serum, I'm actually in quite a lot of pain. But there's this guy thing that says, you know, it's like, I'm fine. I'm sore, but I'm fine. You know that you know, and there is that kind of way we 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 you have that, but on the, the mental health side of it, it's like it is skepticism. And then the other thing that was like, because you sign up for this, like it's not like okay, I I saw a counselor for an hour, I'm fixed. Like I've seen him uh, at least once a week for several, maybe three, four months now. And you're kind of in the back of your head, you're kind of signing up for this, and you're like, what the hell am I going to talk to a stranger about for an hour a week? There's always <laughs> now, look. There is now that I'm a podcaster, so like I'm a talker, so I don't have that problem. But there is that kind of thing. And, you know, like it's kind of scary in the sense of even to this day where I'm walking into him, I'm not exactly sure how the session is going to go, like what he wants to talk in, what part he wants to delve into and stuff. And I will say the first, you know, I would give a tip to anyone doing counseling. Um, learn from my mistake. Don't do anything else for the rest of the day. Because when I was talking about my childhood, when I was talking about all the problems I had, when I was talking about the problems living over here, when you're done, you're just emotionally spent. You like you're you're just everything you have, all the energy output you have for that day is gone. 
um, and I tried to do work and I tried to make meetings and stuff. I just found I was just horrible. So just if you're just starting off counseling, just make sure you don't have anything big planned for the rest of the day. Were you shocked with the diagnosis of bipolar? I was shocked by how high I scored. Really? I, I aced that test. Like if there's I, any I, test you don't want to ace, it's probably that Yeah. <laughs> so we went in and had the test with my counselor. And uh, they asked you 16 questions. And it's a yes or no. And if you answer correctly, sorry, not correctly, sorry. If you answer four yeses, you're starting to become bipolar out of the 16. I answered 13 correctly. So like, it's not like, it's not like I answered five and you kind of go, well, it's a margin call. It could go either way. When you're 13 out of 16, and we later found out it's actually 14 out of 16 because one of the questions uh, when I when they changed the things and went into more detail, I was like, actually, that's me as well. Um, it's like 13 or 14 out of 16. Like, that's clearly, there's no doubt about it. It's not like, well, get, let's get a second opinion on this one. Um, the one thing is that I want to talk to people about is that this is not a new thing for me. Like, so when we did the tests, um, he, you know, did all the questions and I answered them. And then uh, he gave me the diagnosis and he gave me my results and stuff. And, but one of the things that really struck me about it was, was how long I've suffered. Like, it's, these are not things like, oh, in the last three months, four months, six months, so I kind of go, they were no's, but they're now yeses. The vast majority of my problems started as a teenager. And the sad thing about it is, and I do have some sadness in myself, is when I look back on my younger self and I want to give it a big hug, is like, I kind of neglected myself because like I could have got this diagnosis when I was 16 years of age or 17 years of age. And I struggled all these 20 years, you know, 20 plus years to do. It. And I would encourage anyone, like if you're, if you're struggling, get some help. Um, don't broadcast it to the world because sometimes the world can be a bad broadcaster, but just listen to people and say, listen, I think I've got problems and go see a counselor and then they'll make a diagnosis and they'll be able to help you. And they'll be able to say, uh, you know, if you say to them, like, if you think you've got bipolar, if you've got like two type of different personalities and that, you know, I think I've got bipolar, they'll establish pretty quickly. If you, you've, you've a chance and I'll give you the test and um, by the DCM manual or they'll go, no, you don't. So, whereas my Mike's counselor knew straight away, he gave me the test to be official, but like he was like, you do. And my wife was like, I'm shocked. And even my mother knew. She, my wife was like, yeah, I'm shocked at that. I could have told you that months ago. You were the <laughs> last one to know, Jonathan. Yeah, it was like that dirty little secret. So, but yeah. Well, you answered the next question I was going to ask. So, I'm going to reframe it a little bit into kind of a two-parter. Number one, is it genetic? Does can you look at anyone in your family and say that they might have bipolar or some other me um, mental issue? And two, you said looking back as a teenager, you wish you could give yourself a hug. Do you look at those times and maybe something you didn't understand that happened or the way that you reacted to something? Now you go, oh, yeah, now it makes sense. Um, so the first one on the bipolar, uh, I'm the first in my family, I believe. So Lucky yeah, you. you know me. I'm <laughs> the first. Yay, you know. So yeah, I feel I feel so honored and privileged for that. 
Um, so the second question, um, I think the biggest thing about, I think the biggest thing when you're dealing with some type of mental health is it's very easy in your own head to just say this is normal for everyone. So like the cleaning, you know, I, it's a funny thing to say. But to me, that was like, if you'd sat me down prior to this, like if you'd sat me down last year and said, wow, you do these, even my mother would like, you do this massive spring clean in the house and stuff. And it's like, that's just normal. That's isn't, doesn't everyone do that? And the answer is they do do it. They just don't do it to the extent I probably do it. Like it's a massive big on production and stuff. And, and I just thought, well, this is just normal. But this is a sign of, you know, when you go bipolar or different things. And that one of the things about bipolar is if you are very, you know, particular about cleaning, that can be a sign of a lot of people who are bipolar have that kind of cleaning bug with them. They just, they, it's kind of like a bit OCD. Everyone has to be clean and in a spot and it has to be done a certain way. Um, but yeah, I think my problem started at birth and you know, it's, you know, you things, but you just kind of accept it and you just kind of go, well, this is my, part of my story and this is just who I am. And again, I don't want to blame other people. Like, you know, I could do a, if I was a lefty, shall we say, I could play a great, I could tell you a great story about being a victim today. Um, I could tell you, I could blame so many people in my past about how they made me feel, about how they, what they did to me, how they treated me and blame 20 30 40 people and i should call them out by name I could call people in my life now there's someone in my life who's making my life very hard right now um i could call them out i'm not that type of person i'm a self-responsibility kind of guy even if you know there is ex you know external circumstances the book stops here um so you know for me it's i just wish i'd known earlier that this isn't normal that it's it's your version of normal but it's signs of something underlying and it can be fixed and, and it can be cured and you can feel better about yourself. You don't always have to feel like a piece of crap, which is what I feel. That's sad. You're on medication now, though. Yeah. Yeah. And once you were put on medication, how long did it take for you to notice a change? Uh, well, the first medication I got, I had a really bad reaction to. So I think, you know, the one thing I will say is if you find a very, if you take a medication, you know, and within a couple of days, you find yourself having a really bad reaction. Get off it straight away and phone your doctor because I didn't. I just kind of went, well, this is just this is just it. You know, my body's kind of rejecting it. But, you know, after like a week or two weeks, my body will get used to kind of knowing, OK, it's this is this is the way it is now and we'll be good. And uh, I think, you know, for me, just get off it straight away and then just know what medication like I know. There's a brand of medication I will never, ever take again because it brought, it was just not a good, good time. But the medication I'm now, I'm doing a lot better. Um, it's just about, you know, it's it's a trial and error process. One, you've got to make sure you're not having any reactions. And then two, when you find out there's a medicine you can take, it's about getting the right dosage because it's different for different people. So, um, but the medication helps, but the counseling is the big thing. You know, the medication is important. I'm not trying to underline it, but, you know, you've got to have to talk to a counselor about what's causing your pain because it's easy to say, oh, I'm depressed. Well, what's causing your depression? Well, my existence or my situation, but there's always usually an underlying problem and finding that and dealing with that and discussing that out um, does, does help. A big part, I believe, of getting the help that you need and it's very difficult, and I've experienced that with myself, is patience. 
You have to be so patient sometimes to find the right therapist or counselor, to find the right medication. And let's be honest, it gets really frustrating when you have to try a few of those to get the right combination. Yeah, it, it, it'll vary from person to person. And the, re- the reason is, sadly, and I, I'm trying to think of a way to help people not to get to the point, but when you get to the point where I was, where you're down, um, where you're so frustrated with the system, where, you, where just everything is just really going against you. And um, again, again, I had, you know, between no social security number, I don't have much money. So life was just so expensive and just... I had I cashed in my pension and just not been able to get out there and speak as much as I wanted to. Um, had people lying about me to my wife behind my back, making horrible accusations. Um, then just been isolated all day, every day, because my wife had to work. You know, I hit rock bottom. When you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. So you naturally have that bit of patience. You're kind of going, well, I have two options. I can stay rock bottom or I can work through things and find the things. You do need patience. Um, no, I got very lucky with my counselor. He was the first person I saw, and we just kind of, kind of. I don't think you. I don't know if you can click with your counselor, but you know that kind of way. We just found that comfort level, and he's not like when I don't want to talk about things. He knows my. He's got to know me now, where he knows when he can push me and when I just don't want to talk about it. And then he veers off and goes, "Well, we talk about something else," and, and we kind of have that kind of work together but if you're not down rock bottom i don't know how you would do it because this is as you say very easy to start a process get very frustrated and go you know what it's not worth it but what i would say is don't hit rock bottom get help i the here's the honest answer and this is one of the things i I really stress to people don't tell people it's a one-size-fits-all because people with the best intentions, there is no malice in their advice. But they say, if you just do ABC, you're fixed. If you just do this, this, and this, you're cured. It's not that simple. What will fix me will not fix if you came out with bipolar, Tina, or fixed anyone else. It's, you know, I'm, I need more counseling. Maybe you need more meds. Maybe someone else needs a, you know, a combination of different things. The, the thing about me- mental health, in my opinion, is... It's different for everyone. It affects people different. And the reason it affects us differently is because our triggers are different. And that's very important to do. So just support people, love on people. And just the biggest advice I can give to anyone or the biggest, not advice, the biggest plea is if you know someone that's kind of struggling right now, just reach out and go, hey, how's it going? You know where I am if you ever, ever need anything at all. That means the world rather than saying, hey, how you doing and how's life and, you know, trying to force a conversation. Because sometimes when you're bipolar, if you're down or you're depressed, you don't want to have that conversation. So or you don't feel comfortable having that conversation with the person who's messaging you. So just always, if you know someone, just reach out to them because we're having a mental health crisis right now because of COVID. You know, if COVID proved anything to the world and I don't want to get too political here. One of the things it proved is material stuffs don't make people happy. You know, like if you if you if material stuff worked, everyone would be living in utopia. Why? Because you're in your house, you're working from home, you have all these apps like Netflix and Amazon, you have access to all these movies and series, you have access to all these games, you don't have to see anyone, you can get your food delivered to you, you don't have to deal with anyone that you want. And constantly report after report after report after report from peer reviewed places saying depression numbers are spiking through the roof. Why? 
because as much as materialistic things are nice and don't get me wrong, I'm not bad. I think Netflix I loved. I watched Peaky Blinders recently. It was awesome. Different things. I love watching box series when I can. We need human contact. We're creatures of, of contact of within, with people, whether it's, you know, physical touch, whether it's just physical seeing or whether it's just having that communication. So we need to start reaching out to people. And, and even if people don't agree politically, that's fine. To drop the political conversation. Just say, hey, I care about you. And if it's someone close to you, just tell them, hey, I love you no matter what. have the tools in your belt that you need now to get through the difficult times i don't think i will ever have those tools i do believe i have a setup now though that's good enough to say when those bad times come back that i'll deal with them a lot better than i've ever dealt with them in the past before like like the one thing is and here's the sad thing about my diagnosis is is one it's a lifetime thing but two there's no cure you know like it's it's kind of like you know, I'll have this for the rest of my life. And that is kind of sad. It's kind of daunting that, you know, I'm I'm not even what you call middle-aged yet. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching it, but I'm not, you know, I'm on, the, I'm on the hill, but I'm not really quite middle-aged yet. And I've got something that I'm going to deal with for the rest of my life. The positive side is, is that I know what it is. I know what the signs are. I know what I need to do. So, but you'll never be cured. Like, uh, like it's not realistic to say, well, I'm never going to be depressed again. That's just not realistic. You know, I'm, I'm, I will be depressed again. We all go through, even if you're a normal, happy person, you're going to get depressed at some point. You know, you you might have the summer blues or you might have the winter blues or the New Year blues or your birthday blues. We all have different ones, even if you're, quote unquote, you know, mentally 100 um, percent. But there is no st- we need to remove the stigma of mental health as well. That You know, like I've I even I've said it and I'm this is a faux pas on my part where I said, like, you know, if you're normal and you're healthy, like I'm normal. I just have a, you know, it's this is like diabetes to me. This is just something or, you know, I've got an irregular heartbeat. It's just it's just a health, health condition that I have that you don't have and other people don't have. And we just need to make sure that it's treated. Do you have hope and faith in successfully dealing with this diagnosis? Yes, 100%. And is there anything else that you want the listeners to know about the stigma of mental illness? You just need to remove the stigma. Um, there, there are people who... There are people who will say they're depressed and they're not depressed. That's just a natural way of life. You know, people will be, you know, they kind of have a bad day and, you know, they're sad or they're missing their mom or they're missing their parents or they're missing someone who's passed on or, you know, their husband is overseas and they kind of go, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm depressed today. That's not really depression. That's just more like sadness. So there is people who will use that word and that's okay. Um, but there are people out there who have more ongoing issues. Um, we just need to treat it like, I say, like it, my wife taught me when, when I was like, I, I'm going to be on medication for the rest of my life. She was like, I was like, this is not good. And she's like, well, like if I got diagnosed with diabetes and you had to get an insulin shot every day, would you, would you say, say the same thing? I'd be like, no, you just do it. She's like, well then what's the big difference? This is just, you know, a, an illness that I have. We all have different illnesses. People have cancer, people have heart problems. People have, you know, countless number of problems. You know, my wife has lupus. 
you know, autoimmune diseases. So she just has this, like, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, well, she's got lupus, you know, she's unclean. Like, she's not like a leper, you know? So it's just, it is what it is. I, I personally, my, my illness is, uh, is bipolar. Would I rather not have it? Oh, hell yeah. But, you know, I have it, you know, I can moan and cry and say, poor me and woe is me that I have it and I don't want it or I can deal with it. Um, you know, you, this is the, this is the hurt I've been dealt with. And I would just say to anyone, if you're out there and you're struggling right now and you think you've got a mental health illness, please, please, please get help. There are supports out there. Like my counselor is really good. He's, he does means best uh, means based charges. So I'm getting counseling really cheap which is amazing because I couldn't pay full price right now because I don't work. Um, there's support out there. There's pills out there. There's people who want to help you. There's support groups. If you're really bad and you're suicidal, just reach out to someone. Worst case scenario, I always offer people, if you're struggling right now, reach out to me and I will help you as much as I can. I can't fix your problems. No one can fix your problems, but if you just need someone to listen, reach out to me. I'm on social media. I'll always help people. I encourage people going, hey, things can get better. The biggest thing that you need to know about this diagnosis is it's sad. It's not ideal, but it's dealable with. You can deal with it. You can move on. You can live a very full and healthy life with it. The thing about it is, is that it needs help. And if you get the right treatments, it can, you can be kind of like your superpower. Here's my final question for you, Jonathan. Right now, currently present at this very moment, my husband loves it when people do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are you happy or at the very least, are you content? It's a very hard question to answer. I'm not happy. Um... I, I, I honestly don't know how anyone can be happy from my way of thinking with the way the world is going right now. You know, where I live, I, I, I wouldn't change where I live for all the money in China. I really like it. I, I might change the, you know, I change, make some, some improvements to the house, but the location is perfect. But you know, the, the main town where I live, because I live in the middle of nowhere, when I go down to the main town, it's it's very poverty-stricken. And I drive down it and you see what used to be a bustling oil town, and it's now empty buildings, units out for ladder units to be sold, and it's kind of just been run down, and there's not as much, like, the theater isn't there, the, the you know, there's no bar, there's just, there's not many restaurants, so it's it's kind of run down a bit. And you run through it, but I can visualize what the town used to be. And I can visualize, please God, what the town would be again. But when you look around at what's going on, it's hard to be happy. Um, personally, it's also hard for me to be happy because I don't have money coming in. And that's a very hard thing. I don't have a job. I don't have a routine. Um, but I'm as happy and content as I can be. Um, but the biggest thing for me is as bad as I am not happy and really content right now, I am working towards a place in the future where I will be. And that gets me up in the morning. Jonathan, I think that we have a great platform here to help people in many ways. And your honesty will really get people thinking about what they need to do better to help their own health, mental and physical, and the mental health of those they love. Absolutely. 
And I say the biggest thing, if you know people on social media, just reach out to them. Even if it's just someone that, you know, especially if it's someone who you've had major disagreements with, you know, on your post where you'll post something and they'll be like, no, that's wrong. You know, even if they're, if, even if we're quote unquote the same side, you know, we're both Republicans or whatever it is, or we're both Democrats, just reach out to them. If they say, hey, you haven't posted on my, you know, why? Has that been okay? You doing all right? Just know, you know, I'm always here for you. We may disagree politically or we may never see eye to eye, but, you know, as a person, I care about you. You're human. You're my brother in Christ. I love you. If you ever need anything, you know, I'm there. And just start breaking down the walls because w- one of the things we have is depression. If you're looking at this from a, a battlefield strategy, if you want depression to win, the biggest thing that you do to get depression to win is isolate people. If you isolate people and make them feel alone, make them feel that they can talk about it, stigmatize everything relating mental health, that's where that's where depression wins or suicide wins or bipolar wins. What we need to do is break down that wall, that we don't have isolation, that we have people knowing there's a support system, that there are systems out there that we can get there. And I say, worst case scenario, if you're listening to the show and you're kind of going, well, I don't really have people in my life and I don't have anyone and I know you and I listen to you, reach out to me. Reach out to me on Twitter. Reach out to me on Facebook. I always say to, and especially on things like this, don't reach out to me publicly on a post, DM me and I will respond. It might take me a day or two because I get, I do get a lot of messages, but I do respond to everything. Um, I, t- I take great pride in that, but just reach out and say, Hey, you know, I heard your show, you know, I, you know, I could do with someone to talk to. Um, and I'll, I, I'll listen and I, I can't solve your problems, but I can be in here to say, listen, this is what I did, or here's something I went through and maybe that you can find some similarities. And, but there are, the one thing I do want to give people is a message of hope. You know, what's funny is, my story and America's story are the same in my eyes in that right now we're kind of beaten up. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we can't control, but our future can be so much better. If this is the, the key word, those two simple little letters, IF, if we work at it, if I work with my counselor, if I keep working on my medication, if I keep working on my own self and getting better and striving to be the best me I can be, I can see a point in time down the road. I can't say whether it's going to be a couple of days, a couple of weeks, it might be a couple of months. Heck, it might be even a couple of years where I will be a much better person, a much more content person, a much more happy person, and I'm more productive. Likewise in America. If we work in America, we can solve these problems. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are ahead of us. If we work at it. But like America, if I just go, you know what? Screw it. Done. Tired. Yeah, but but I so-and-so said something to me. And so-and-so did this to me. And so-and-so said this to me. And then I go, woe is me, poor me, and I'm tired and I'm beaten up. And you know what? I'm just done. America and me are over. The question is, those two little words, what do you want to do? How do you want to act? The question is, if we act positively, we can make things better. If we if we do nothing, we make things worse. And then we have to look at our kids and our grandkids kind of going, sorry, kiddo, I tried, or I didn't try, I was too lazy. Or I, I tried, but, you know, so-and-so said something to me and then I didn't bother. Well, our kids are not going to appreciate that answer. Our kids are rightfully going to put us in the nursing home, kind of go, yep, you're going in the home. <laughs> well, if I may interject a quote here that I absolutely love, and I think you will like this as well, Jonathan, the quote is, the, op- the opposite 
of depression is not happiness. It's purpose. Yes. Yes. I agree. Did Jordan Peterson say that by any chance? Uh, I don't know. I got it from Kathy Heller, which you probably don't even know who that is. This is why Tina's part of the show, because she's going to bring a lot of different perspectives. I'd be like, who the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. I love that quote. It's so true. Yeah, it is. And I think that is the one thing. That word is so powerful. Like that's so just get not to go off on a side point, but that's one of the things I'm working on my council is purpose because your life has to have meaning. And, you know, that's why I kind of said, when I said to you, not having a job, um, like one of the things that's helped me get, find more contentment is I found a volunteer job. I'm working on a campaign and I'm going to go to Michigan for the month of October for a big race. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's family purpose. It's not money. I don't earn any money. It's going to actually cost me the last bit of my pension to do to help them on the ground but the thing about it is i get that sense of purpose i feel like you know i'm helping someone i'm part of a cause and i think it's absolutely critical that you have that i think a lot of people are struggling right now because they don't have a purpose and america is struggling because it doesn't have a purpose who what is america well you know what's what's its purpose right now no one can know you know it's it's bankrupt it's spending trillions of dollars it doesn't have. It's giving money to all these overseas agents. You know, there's no purpose to it. And that's why I said to you at the start of the show, I believe America should be the shining city on a hill. And if people say, oh, well, that's just old rhetoric and it never was that. For me, it was. There's people in the hundreds of thousands who owe their lives to America. I'm one of them. This is not hyperbole. This is not rhetoric. This is not propaganda. If it wasn't for the American military during World War II, I'd speaking. I'd be speaking German right now. You can say, "Well, that's a, that's a subjective comment." It really isn't. If you go look at the old battlefields and look at what the World War was happening prior to America getting involved. And by the way, don't take my opinion for it. Take the words of Winston Churchill. He once said, "You know, if you don't, if you don't, guys, don't get involved. The next ship you'll see won't come with a, with the great Union Jack on it. It will come with a swastika on it. And then what are you going to do?" That's that's Winston Churchill. So we need to start acting, and we have a debt of gratitude to pay to America. There's people like me, even in Iraq and Afghanistan. I know people. That's a very controversial issue with the wars that just happened. Do you know how many people played little things like soccer? Things we take for granted day in and day out. If I wanted to, when Tanya's grandkids come over, if I want to go take them out and play soccer, even though I, you know it's a European sport and I don't want to, don't want to get you know infiltrate them, you know because that's the enemy. But we can just do it. We take a soccer ball and we go out and play soccer. In 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 Iraq and Afghanistan, you couldn't do that. Look at what happened on Iran this week. You had a woman who was murdered. What was her crime? She didn't have her hijab worn correctly, and they tortured her to death. We have it so good here, even in the crappiest economy and under Joe Biden. Is there anyone been murdered because they don't have their hijab worn correctly? We have so much at stake here. We have so much beneficial, but we're not acting. America needs to find its purpose again. It's purpose of meaning. And that meaning for me, and this is where you can put in your own answer. It's meaning for me is the Declaration of Independence, the greatest mission statement, man, ever came together to rice. That is what we have to do. Tell people that they are, tell people what is a self-evident truth. You are born to be free, not controlled, 
not demeaned, not insulted, not killed because you didn't wear a hijab, right? Not because, well, I'm a girl, well, you can't play soccer. Or not because you're a girl and you got raped, well, you need two guys to say that you were raped. Because you're half a woman, you're only half a citizen. The Declaration of Independence is the answer for this in America. It's in for the answer for Ireland, for England, for Europe, for Iran. People need to be free. And it's time America spoke that into existence again. You've been silent far too long as a country. And your message has been so corrupted from your politicians. So that's the answer. Do we act or do we not? I'm ready to act, Jonathan. I'm ready to act with you. Awesome. So who's on your show this week? Well, on We the People, our American story, Jonathan, you know this person. In fact, it's Jonathan Dunn. I do. My God, I wouldn't tune into this show if I were you. Because I, I can I let you? Can I give you some behind the scenes info on Jonathan Dunn? Please do. He's a schmuck. I don't like him at all. I thought I haven't released Jonathan's episode yet, and I thought, well, this is perfect. I need to release it this week as we are releasing the first of many episodes on Freedom's Disciple. Awesome. So that will be out this week. And if you want more background on Jonathan's story, you will want to tune in because his voice is just as strong on my podcast, We the People, Our American Story, as it is here. And you can find the podcast on all major p podcast platforms. It's everywhere. Tune in. Awesome. And, and, and I will say this, um, not just self-promoting. It's a, It really is a great interview. I really enjoyed it. It's it, You ask a lot of questions that some people don't ask. So it was it was a really good interview and it was part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on board. You're, you're very good at what you do. So please check that out, America. And as always, we finished the show. We may have been missing for a few months, but today, what do we do, Tina? We salute the U.S. military, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Yes, we do. And I salute you, the great American people, like Tina's podcast is, We the People. I salute you, because the sentiments of Tocqueville can be true. I believe they still are. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Please tune in to this show. Please share it with anyone that you know is struggling with mental health. It's out every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. And until next week, America, have a beautiful and blessed week. and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.